Justin Zanuck, Danny Ainge, and the crew have pulled off one plus one plus one equals six. And I really like that math. If I'm the six, it's coming up on Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Why, what the Utah Jazz just got from the Los Angeles Lakers is pretty great in value. What the pick value would have been otherwise had they not combined all the players. Did the Lakers actually have some leverage in this deal? What's next for the Jazz? Are there more trades to come? And what's next on the court? Who gets the largest opportunity from this? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. We're available on all podcasting apps for free. We're available on YouTube, inside, be a part of the community. Please subscribe, hit the follow, hit the bell button, be a part of it. It's Locked on Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, Nothing is official as of this moment, so things could change, and um, it's not, you know, all the details aren't clear. What I have for you is what has been reported. I don't have anything for you that has been confirmed by the Utah Jazz or any of that sort, but enough player interaction, it seems to be fairly accurate. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So the reports are that the Utah Jazz have traded four players, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. In exchange, the Jazz have received the contract of Russell Westbrook. There are reports the Jazz will buy him out. Again, deal's not official, so don't have anything officially on that. Uh, Juan Toscana Anderson, Damian Jones. But the, the key pull from the reports is the Jazz got the 2017, or 2027, that'd be weird if they got the 2017. 2027 first-round pick from the Los Angeles Lakers, lightly protected one through four. That's really the pull. And that's probably, of all the players that have been traded in this reported deal, D'Angelo Russell, Mike Conley, the three other Jazz players, that's actually probably the highest value piece of the trade. Uh, Jazz moved three second-round draft picks to Minnesota. There's some value there. Uh, as I'll about to explain to you, You know, I'm not sure I think there's that much value there. So... What I really think the Jazz did is one plus one plus one equals six. It's actually probably, you know, there's the numbers are much bigger. But if you look at, and Andy Larson actually did a nice piece in the Salt Lake Tribune. I hope you subscribe to Salt Lake Tribune. There's been a bunch of longtime NBA draft research that's been done about pick value. There's not anything that's, that's clearly defined or heading in that direction clearly um, of what pick value is the way the NFL draft in their seven rounds, kind of if you trade a third round this, you get these two things. Like that's like, it's it's all point five. But if the number one pick is 100, shall we say, um, Andy does a nice little chart in his article today that's got three different people's draft values 
over the years to it. If if your number one pick is worth 100, and certainly the Jazz didn't get the number one pick. So let's just say the Jazz got the 15th pick of the draft. Like that seems to be just kind of... That, that pick, just to give you an idea, here's point value of what these three different guys, Nick Restrepo, Jacob Goldstein, and Kevin Pelton, put together and what they have. And so pick number one's worth 100. By pick 10, you're kind of down to a 50 to about a 45 point value. By pick 20, you're down to about a 25, 26 point value. Just to kind of make it easy, let's just go that pick 10 is 50, pick 20 is 25, and pick 30 is 15. So that that's probably the easiest way when you think of pick value in a way that you probably can remember. It's not perfectly accurate, but it's close. So, you know, between number one is 100, and then you kind of drop about five points per pick until you get to 10 and you're at 50. Then the slide gets less steep. To get to 20, you're another 10 picks, you're probably dropping, instead of dropping five picks, you're probably dropping about 2.5 picks. So you get to 25. And then it gets then it gets, starts to get flat at 30. You're like one point per draft pick you're dropping. Does that make sense? So if you're at 100 point value and the first pick... As you as you you're you're dropping for every pick you're dropping in the next ten you're dropping about five points to to ten then you're dropping about two point five points to twenty then you're dropping like one point per pick till you get to thirty and then you're kind of at that same level frankly almost the rest of the way through the draft not quite but you know, you're actually at 0. 0.5 probably in the, like, it kind of goes to like 0. 0.75 and 0. 0.5, like along the way. Okay. Once you get in the second round, because your value is already so low. So if you understand, if you, if you look at that, this is why I say the jazz went one plus one plus one. If, if you go and take Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and Nikhil Alexander Walker to the open market as individuals, I don't think you're getting a first-round draft pick on any of them. There was some talk that Malik might have garnered a first-round pick, pretty heavily protected, you know, probably top 20 protected, so probably somewhere in the 25 range. So point value of about 20, if you think about it that way. Maybe. I don't think so. You know what? Fellow podcaster Nate Duncan does with Kevin Pelton and Dan Feldman, who are both brilliant, the mock NBA trade deadline and the Jazz got no, they they traded in that and they got a, a cadre of second round picks. That was that was the value that they got in that trade deadline. And I, I actually think that's a pretty good indicator, frankly, of, um, of what happened. The, the other one was the Jazz, actually in that one, they, they didn't, they did, couldn't move Conley and they couldn't move Vando. They actually just got seconds for other guys. Well, to the point value concept, seconds aren't particularly valuable. You can take individually the Jazz could trade Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, they may trade Kelly Olenek, and they may trade Jordan Clarkson and get a bunch of second round picks. The Jazz probably could have gotten, I don't know, it's five players. Maybe they got eight second round picks. You would rather have one first round pick protected one through four than all those second round picks. That's the, 
even if you just assume that that pick value is 15, on kind of the chart we just talked about, that pick value is, is, is at about 35 to 40 on your pick value of that chart I just gave where you dropped, you know, those various things. You know, the best second round picks are probably, you know, have a 10 pick value. So maybe, maybe you could say if you got five or six or seven or eight second round picks that over one of them might hit the roster reality of that is impossible. We also have a ton of first round picks. At some point, you can't be adding five young players every year. The other aspect is that trading a second round pick gets you, you know, in a deal, makes it look good. It's nice frosting on top of the cake. But a first round pick top four protected is the cake. And the cake's really probably more important than the frosting. So, from that standpoint, this is a pretty good deal by the Jazz. Now, they also, you know, they gave up some assets and some players, and they gave up some second-round picks, so it wasn't free. Like, you know, the Rudy Gobert deal feels like it was free. It's not. You gave up Rudy Gobert, but you got Walker Kessler, and you got all these other picks. Like, the Donovan Mitchell deal certainly wasn't free. You gave up, you got Larry. This one's pretty good, though. You know, obviously, time will tell. The the worst-case scenario is the Lakers hit the skids, they are in the top four picks, and then the Jazz actually get second-round picks and then um, for that, and then they, they come out badly if that happens. That's the risk. Um, but I, I do think that the Jazz just at one plus one plus one equals six. And, and that's the essence of this trade, is you've taken pieces that, as individuals, wouldn't have yielded you much, put them together in a package to a unique situation where the Lakers have this Russell Westbrook contract they have to get off of and this player they have to get off of. But it also allows them to bring in in a bunch of players which suddenly have more value than if you'd done it individually. Why didn't the Jazz get both Lakers picks if you're taking the Russell Westbrook contract and you're giving them three players? And that was like the talk of the offseason. We'll touch on that. Um... Next, I actually think the Lakers had some leverage. And are there more trades to come? As well as what does it mean for the Jazz for the rest of this season? Today's show is brought to you by, in part by our new friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is our brand, is the number one sports book in all of America, which means that's where you want to be for the Super Bowl. It is also Locked On's brand new uh, sponsor and brand new uh, gambling uh, site. So excited to have them be connected with someone who's as high level as the number one sports book in America, like FanDuel. If you're new to FanDuel, this is even better. They have so many great features. They make betting sports fun and easy. Here's the deal. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score touchdowns, all sorts of fun Super Bowl things as well. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, super easy to use. Best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL and the official sportsbook partner of Locked On. FanDuel.com slash Locked On. The 
the Lakers actually had some interesting leverage here. Um, I, I don't think I talked about it on yesterday's show. I think I might have talked about this just in private conversation. So there's a moment in this talk where the Lakers can be like, hey, well, we're getting a lot of value. And they're they're desperate in the sense they can't really walk away with this trade deadline and sell Russell Westbrook on their contract. I mean, I think, uh, you know, who knows what they would have done. I just felt like that situation had had reached its its end result. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they just have Russell walk. I don't, I don't know. But it felt like that, certainly there's an element the Lakers had. The other aspect is that if you're the Utah Jazz and you try to hold out for the second first round pick in this deal and the Lakers say no, you get nothing. You get nothing. Like, we go the offseason, you're not trading... Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, and Mike Conley for a 2027 protected pick. You, it's that's not the value at that point. Um, so, from a Jazz standpoint, there was a moment in this where the Lakers had some leverage. Frankly, from a Jazz standpoint, you might have gotten fortunate. Like I don't know if the Lakers know that Durant is going to Phoenix. Don't they go more in for Kyrie? Maybe not. Maybe they went as far as they wanted to go for Kyrie. But supposedly, you know, they had made an offer to Kyrie that had two first-round picks in it. And then some reason it didn't get done. I'm not entirely sure why. But it didn't. And I think that when you, from a Jazz standpoint, you're probably pretty fortunate that the Lakers didn't do what I think they probably should have done, which is go and get Kyrie. Like, in retrospect, I think the Lakers are better off with Kyrie than they are with D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. Maybe not. And a pick. You you can decide. But I think the Jazz are fortunate that that, that, that was there for them. Because seems to me that that would have been more reasonable if the Lakers do that, get the star in Kyrie. And then the Jazz, frankly, are doing what we talked about before. Is they're moving, if they're moving players at that point, they may not have, for second-round picks. Um, the first-round pick is just also just a big asset moving forward in trades. Like, if you think about it for a second, if you were to make an individual player trade in the NBA and you were going to go get a first-round pick, one through four protected. Like, what caliber of player do you have to... Does Toronto get that for OG Ananobi right now? Does Toronto get that for Pascal Siakam right now? Maybe. He's all NBA. But that's the kind of caliber player... If you're trying to get that player individually, you're... That pick, you're, you're probably having to trade. Like, Kevin Durant just got four picks. Kyrie generally should get you, you know, one or two. They got him one, I think. Um, Probably should have got him two from the Lakers. It's interesting that the Jazz were able to couple together three players that I think it's fair to say Mike Conley, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley at this point are not all-stars. Mike was pretty terrific at one point in his career, but 
but not a not an all star anymore, and thirty five, and you know, really dramatically different with and without rest um, at this point in his career. So I think that's um, I think that you know, again, pretty good haul there from the Jazz, and I think I'm I fortunate you know f- fortunate. Um, Fortunate in the sense that I think you're, sorry, things are freaking out on my computer right now. I'm not sure why. Um, Fortunate in the sense I think the Lakers missed the boat uh, a day prior. But I do think the Lakers had, my point starting here was the Lakers had some leverage. The the Jazz couldn't have gotten more for this. Um, Even taking the Westbrook contract at this point is not as big a deal as taking the Westbrook contract at that point. Um, And the Jazz took in, about three million more, so that leads to the next thing. I think the extension, the exception, which we talked about in yesterday's program, which I saw didn't upload right away on YouTube. I apologize for that. Um, the exception will likely expire. The Jazz now are only about three point five or three million dollars over the luxury tax. They're not going into the luxury tax. They have a nine million dollar exception, but they can only bring back three million. There's a chance maybe they bring back a player for three million for a second round draft pick at this point if they think that's a value. Um, I would assume that there's some interest in Jordan Clarkson, who in playoff games is pretty special, right? He was really good in the playoffs last year. He's a one-on-one isolation player. When everyone starts switching, he is able to make plays that a lot of guys can't make plays. He's shown a growth in his passing skills. Um, it's not clear whether he opts in or out next year in his contract. It's, it's not a terrible contract, um, unless you really want to get off it. There aren't there's an interesting thing from a jazz standpoint of like Jordan's, you know, such a great one to have around. He's got such kind of Schwadavi, chutzpah, whatever coolness, whatever you want to call it. He's up for an extension. There's not a huge amount of teams that have cap space next year to go sign him. He shouldn't get outrageously expensive. So do you just keep Jordan or are you still going to grab another asset if you can get it? You know, I don't think, like, I would be surprised. Like, I'm 100% certain Jordan on his own does not get you the first, the, like, top, a, a first-round pick, top four unprotected, like, unprotected first-round pick, top or top four protected first-round pick. Like, Jordan doesn't get you that. Um, Just to give you a comparison of, like, what a good trade that is to go get that for Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. You're not getting that for just Jordan Clarkson. Kelly Olynyk. there's some teams that probably look at Kelly Olynyk and think he really, really fits. Um, so who knows if, um, the jazz are, are making another deal, but I don't think they'll trade something into that exception. Like we talked about yesterday. Um, but they still have two more pieces that are legitimate possibilities. The other one that's next is our first round pick we got for Royce O'Neal was the worst of Houston, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia. So it's Philadelphia because Brooklyn just traded Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving <clears throat> this week and has started some version of a rebuild with a lot of different pieces in Malik Bees and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. And we'll see what they do with Jay Crowder. Um, but they are now, they are the, they will be worse, have a worse record than Philadelphia at the end of the year. So we have Philadelphia's pick is the way to look at it. You know, pending something terrible happening to somebody on Philadelphia, that's a pretty good team. They're going to be probably third best in the East at this point, unless Cleveland catches them. I would suspect that they'll finish, 
you know, with one of the top, that'll be the 25th pick of the draft or so. Okay. So project that to be, you know, between 25 and 27, the Jazz will be choosing. They'll take Minnesota's pick, which is super interesting that the Jazz may or may not have made Minnesota better. I don't think not. I think they made them better. Um, And maybe they prevented Minnesota from a collapse. I think D'Angelo Russell must have, just look at the trade. Minnesota must have wanted off D'Angelo Russell. They took Mike Conley. They're probably taking his contract for another year now. Um, They have been really, really strange where they look really, really close. And then on the other end, they look terrible. And it did look like they have chemistry issues. Maybe that was the chemistry issue. I don't know that, but this trade would lead you to believe that they thought that. So they may have gotten better internally with Mike Conley. Rudy will certainly be better. And so that's our other draft pick that actually we... We devalue that a little bit in this. However, the other side of this is, what did the Jazz just do to their own draft asset? And, you know, to the point pick value concept that we just talked about with Andy Larson's article and the work of Kevin Pelton and Jacob Goldstein and others, this is where what the Jazz just did yesterday, if these reports are true, may have an unintended consequence that is pretty important. And we'll touch on that as we continue here on Locked on Jazz. It is Locked on Jazz, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So the Jazz have had an amazing season, wildly successful season. Will Hardy can coach. Lowry Markin's an all-star. Walker Kessler's a player. Ochai Abaji's showing signs of being... Legitimate NBA player. It's been a wild and crazy success. We all thought it was going to be a horrendous tank. It's not. Ha- it didn't happen. The Jazz are 27 and 29. They're sitting 12th draft slot along the way. Again, back to what we talked about is number one pick is 100. And you, for every pick you drop to get to 10, you're kind of dropping, you know, over 10 points. You're dropping about five points for every pick at that point. And you get down to about 50 and then you get down to about 12 and you're sitting, you know, if you're dropping, and then we said you drop, I think we kind of made this up, but you drop 2.5 in every pick after that, so you drop another five. So you drop to about 45 by the time you get to pick 12 of pick value where the Jazz are right now. Okay, using this kind of chart. Um, there's a real chance the Jazz go from pick slot 12 to pick slot 6 now. So that's six points up. That's, you know, that's actually more value according to the NBA.com, NBAsense.com on pick value going from 12 to six. If you kind of go with our system, you're dropping five every time. You're suddenly at like 70 pick value from 40 pick value. That's actually probably more pick value than the Jazz got maybe in the Lakers pick, depending if you assume the Lakers pick is 15, then this might actually be more valuable. But frankly, Oklahoma City right now is the same record of the Jazz. So is Chicago. Chicago is not incentivized to lose because Orlando has their pick. Toronto is one game behind. Washington, I'm not sure what they're going to do, but they're 25 and 29. The Jazz are now 27 and 29. The Lakers, they're going to win. And Indiana, who has lost 8 of 10, but Halliburton's coming back. That one's a little interesting. And then, frankly, Orlando's been really good. They've been 500 since their bad start of the season. So 
<clears throat> let's assume that either Orlando or Indiana stays below the Jazz. All the other teams, Lakers, Washington, Toronto, Chicago, Oklahoma City, I, I would suspect catch Utah over the next 25 games. I've said this all year long that Mike Conley is the fabric that holds this thread together or the thread that holds this fabric together. We don't have the thread anymore. This is a massive opportunity for Taylor Horton Tucker and for Colin Sexton. And we're going to see Walker Kessler and Ochai Abaji get a lot of time. And maybe my like hidden favorite player, Leandro Balmaro, will get some time and show some signs. But I think wins are going to be hard to come by. Mike Conley to be held this thing together. You've lost some value in Malik Beasley and Jared Butler we, and Jared Vanderbilt. You might make another trade here. I don't know if we're going 5-20 and 20 the rest of the way, but it wouldn't stun me. That seems harsh, but it wouldn't stun me. And I'm not sure, quite honestly, at this point of a season, that that's actually a bad thing. I know that's like we don't like the tank game and it's not what we stand for. As, you know, it's not what we've done as an organization. But if we're just going to start having a conversation here about value, going 5-20 and 20 the rest of the way is not actually the worst thing. It's an unintended consequence of what we're doing. The Jazz, you know, did not make a trade yesterday to create an outcome. The Jazz made a trade yesterday because they put together 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 6. And they got a lightly protected first-round pick from the Los Angeles Lakers in 2027, which might, you know, which is going to be anywhere from 5 to 25 on the draft board. But if the Jazz were to, and I don't think you'll see the Jazz play any game with any intention other than winning. Let me be really clear on that. Will Hardy's not going to play. You know, coaches and players don't roll out teams with any intention other than winning the game. But winning might be hard as we head down the stretch and teams need jockeying for position and most teams are are playing position. We do play, we play the Thunder three times. We play the Spurs back to back. There's some wins to be had. We go to Orlando. We'll see what happens. But also, like I think this next stretch could be really tough. And I actually think the one thing we have to be careful on, I think it could be really tough on Lowry Markkinen. I think it could be really tough on Walker Kessler. I think it could be really tough on Ochai Like Mike Conley got them the ball places. Malik Beasley had gravity. Jared Vanderbilt gave energy. I think there could be some really tough moments on Lowry trying to figure out how he's getting open and what he's doing, and he's going to hopefully learn from them. We saw it even last night a few times where he's driving, loses the ball. Okay, well, that's his next step, like trying to do it. We saw Ochai guy get lost in the middle of last night's game. We saw Walker, who just seemed to be stunned by the whole day, um, there. So that's it. Um, I'll share with you what it was like last night. It was definitely a strange environment. You, The rumors were there. I actually was talking to Mike Conley in the locker room about how he was handling it, what it was like. He was pretty funny. He's like, well, I was in Memphis and they told me I was going to be traded and then they didn't trade me and I haven't really been told anything yet here other than conversations we had to start the year about, you know, where we are and what we're doing. Um, so it was it was interesting, you know, he kind of, jo- I, said, I said, well, like, what is a team supposed to do right now? And that's when he said, like, well, I don't know because Memphis told me they were trading me and then they didn't trade me. You know, the human element of it, he told me his wife Mary was actually on an airplane at the time to New York City for Fashion Week and then going to meet the team and Mike in the hotel Friday night uh, when he got there with us. But as Mike said, I don't know what's going to happen. Mike has a second grader, a 
pre a kindergartner and a pre-K or a nursery school pre-K and a second grader, you know, they'd had all the discussions about whether or not they're going to keep them in school or not. Um, and, you know, so it's just very, very real at that point. I'm actually talking to Mike and we're discussing stuff and his eyes kind of look behind me and get big. And Danny Ainge walks in, sits down in the chair next to Mike and I exit stage left. Like that was it. Um, I talked to Walker and Simone before the game. We actually had a pretty funny conversation, which I shared on the air last night. Um, I'll, it's some other time I'll share again. It was just super funny um, about putting Plato into chat GPT uh, in a wrap by 50 cent and seeing what we get. Um, try it. See what happens. Um, but Walker was like flabbergasted that this was the new world he lived in and what was going on. He was, he was truly, you know, he was a rookie yesterday um, at the highest level. Um, and then Nikhil Alexander Walker was in his warm outs, warm ups. And I think it was Danny that walked out and pulled him off the floor. Um, Malik Beasley and Mike Conley kind of walked around, gave everybody daps and hugs and said goodbye. Um, I heard Nikhil Alexander Walker walked straight over into the Minnesota Timberwolves locker room and introduced himself to everyone. Uh, there is a league rule, by the way, you have, the player has to come onto your roster. You can't acquire a player and cut them. You have to actually put them on your roster. You can then let them go after that, as the Jazz may very well do with Russell Westbrook if the reports are accurate on all these deals. Um, but the, you you actually have to bring them onto your roster. You can't just waive them. Um, so in the case of Minnesota, they actually have to let a player go before this trade becomes official. It's probably why it's not official as of the time, which also means there could be some changes in it um, from all the different reports that are out there. So again, this is not none of this is official um, at this point. All right. That sums up kind of my take on this. One plus one plus one equals six. I think the Jazz got fortunate that the Lakers somehow didn't end up with Kyrie here and take away that window for the Jazz. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if they're done yet. I do think the opportunity is here for Colin Sexton. It's massive for Taylor Horton Tucker um, to get some opportunities, maybe for Doak, to see whether what he's got, <clears throat> and for our primary guys. So that is Locked on Jazz today. Uh, tomorrow we'll do an Ask LOJ from Toronto. So ask me any questions you've got. Hashtag Ask LOJ. This is the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.